The streetlight strobed across Caitlin's rosacea cheeks. The bus smelled of engines and hessian. The itchy upholstery was gently rubbing against the band of marbled veiny skin above her neck's jeans. Faint red stretch marks, like lustful scratches on a cuttlefish. She was chuffed to still get into jeans from somewhere trendy like next. She knew that the knell of Matalan beckoned. She knew it went glittery, I-heart Prosecco sweatshirts and then coffee-coloured cardies. Her fifty shades of brown days lay ahead, but Caitlin was at a crossroads tonight. She was 37, and it was the first time she'd met a random man for a date since her Canterbury undergrad days. Life had become a bit easier since Miranda Hart stopped appearing on TV. If you're single, see your mother every day and have size 10 feet, then comparisons were daily. It infuriated Caitlin. Her father had found it hilarious, though. He'd always called her Bungle, or Honey Monster, or Chewy. Caitlin loved thanking bus drivers. She liked to think that he was her chauffeur, and she was a celebrity whose fame hadn't gone to her head yet. She also liked being called Doll, Hun, or on one occasion Sugar Tits, but that one was a little too close to Sugar Puffs. There's only one place in Caitlin's little town to socialise after six that isn't a pub. The cute little teapot cafe opens until nine once a fortnight and does an hour of open mic. They have San Pellegrino cans and there's a vegan wrap there now. A Katie Miller tribute was on last month. Caitlin refused to go alone. Would he already be there? Would he be smartly dressed in a blazer and shoes? Or would he have gone cash in a gap hoodie and Adidas Sambas? She wondered all this whilst Viennese waltzing down the high street, hoping she could hold in her wee until they chatted for a little bit. She'd met him in a car park at the back of Wilco's. He'd accidentally rammed her while she was parked up in a Lesmes CD soundtrack coma. They'd only been chatting for five minutes before he wrote his number on an old shopping list. It sadly wasn't 24601. She'd studied his shopping list all week. Red Biro. Joined up writing. D's like fish hooks. Breakaways. Bulgar wheat. Humus. Superglue. He struck her as a blend of old a new man, like Nick Knowles. She arrived. Who cares about being there first? This is a post-fleabag world now, Caitlin. Her love life was literally a car crash anyway. Good luck, she thought. You can do it. In she stepped. The place was completely empty. She slumped herself at a wobbly table by the window she caught her reflection in the window and felt like she looked like a wobbly table desperately needed to put another plaster on her brand new converses her feet felt like a gorilla in a kayak but then she saw a man approaching she'd have to stomach the chafing for a little while longer
Caitlin was in a dry patch. It was 11 in the morning and she lay on her back on a patch of brown grass. She was under a beech tree in her secret field behind the town. She always saw ancient beech trees like the sinews of a reptilian skeleton. Its veins looked like piles of unknitted wool. Talking of wool, she had a cardi to finish, but she'd spilt some chocolate Nesquik off pattern. It was even starting to become pendulous at the hems. The beech tree was in need of surgery, but Caitlin loved how mangled and dishevelled it was. Like a widower, half a year later, she saw shapes in the gaps of the branches. A turtle's belly, maybe. Vascular threads of blood vessels. The tunnels of white pith in an orange. 3.34am was the last time she remembered seeing on her LED clock pitiful time to be left in the world. At that time life has turned its back and abandoned you. At that time the whistling C-sharp of the fridge blizzards through the empty spaces of her second floor flat. Caitlin was advised by insomnia.net to get out of her warm bed and reset, as though bed were a timed out wrong password. She'd done this five times last night before she turned on the telly. Knitting was hurting her eyes. Reading was making her think of William. The Jim Bunny oik that is Channel 5 was repeating the hundred most embarrassing moments on TV ever. Poor Caitlin was wrapped in four blankets. Her pink eyes glared at the deadless celebrities, soundbiting about moments no one remembers. Ulrika Johnson, Jason Manford, Coupler Lawrence from Hollyoaks, saying things like, I like, literally wanted to eat the telly at that moment. At number seven was Richard Blackwood's now infamous lemon zesting incident on Sunday brunch. Gasps of disbelief as the cereal soaper tried to zest a lemon by grating this sliced juicy area and not its skin. It was one of those hide your eyes from the telly moments, said a puffy Tim Vincent in an unnecessary three-piece suit. We all dived behind the sofa and quietly exploded, didn't we? No, we didn't, Philippa Forrester. Caitlin felt the tragedy of her life chew her to pieces in that moment. She saw herself through a spy hole in an asylum, shuddering in pity, clinging to the early hours with Colleen Nolan for company. She knew something had to change. Thing of beauty is a joy forever, said a fractured old voice as he passed the beech tree with his half-dead collie. Caitlin sat up and caught his icy blue eyes. This man would have been beautiful once, she thought. Keats, she said in a croaky voice. That's the lad, the dog walker mumbled, whilst wincing down to collect his soggy tennis ball. He gave a thumbs up without looking back staggered down the hill. Caitlin wasn't ready to zest the juice of her own life yet. She was going to embrace the dry patch. She knew what she must do. Text Linda at the church 
and asked if there was room at Monday Poetry Club. She was ready to get back to doing things again. A new strategy. No dating site. No pressure. Just some gold blend, some cabris fingers, and some terrible free verse with some quality women. She celebrated with a slice of satin saurine and pretended the branches of the beech tree were a labyrinth and she were Theseus. White sails from now on, Caitlin. church hall. Half of snakes and ladders boards sat skew-whiff against the wall. It was the 0-50 side, the one with the big ladder, not the big snake. The double doors of the hall still hosted the original wired windows. There'd been some progress from stackable metal to stackable plastic, but the faded outline of Cub's notices was still fossilised on the brown backing paper. Caitlin gingerly carried a box of McVitie's family circle and a stack of five barrelware green mugs in her big wings. Linda, poetry club founder, shuffled behind her with a tray of gold blend and a plastic thermos of hot water. Wendy, Claudia, Teresa and Adam awaited the refreshments. Everyone gets a clap, obviously. This clap was for Adam, He ran his hands through his lattice locks, sucked in his lips as if to say, that's me spent for the day, and then took a victory sip of his first instant coffee in over a year. The room swooned. They shook their heads in disbelief. Claudia mimed lifting a strictly board with a ten on it. Wendy pretended to dab a tear. Teresa was a bit distant tonight. Caitlin held the line. She was on to him. Since her return to Poetry Club, she'd witnessed a very different vibe there. It was because of Buttery Adam, a primary school teacher, always a cotton button-down, eyes dark brown like conkers, and he had the four women eating out of his home county's trough. Caitlin was very suspicious. Firstly, how did they not notice him embedding advert slogans into his poems every week. Last Monday he'd said Odysseus's love for Penelope was finger-licking good. She'd asked if she could abstain from reading for the first month just to find her feet. She'd also only been able to write poems about birds since returning for some reason. She was battling away with one at the moment about a nightingale who builds a nest at the top of a steeple. She'd mostly sketched pictures of talons and wings and then ended up with George Michael lyrics all over her book. The way Adam looked at her was like he was hiding under a cat visor but he didn't have one on. He kept looking at her moleskin. He expanded on all the other women's ideas and points except Caitlin's. Something was between them. Other than Claudia's lavender-drowned turtleneck that was desperately trying to extinguish the smell of a hamster cage. At five to nine, 
he helped carry the cups and biscuits into the kitchen, then the fire door slammed them shut. They both glanced back, as though it were an automatic lock-in, and they'd lost their chances at the Crystal Dome. So you used to come before, yeah? I did. Original member. Oh gee, yeah? Caitlin didn't know what that meant, so she frowned to herself. Probably something from the TikTok. Adam cringed at his own comment and secretly shook his head before filling the bin with custard cream crumbs. I just had a bit of a break, she replied. Just had a bit of a breakdown, more like Caitlin. That was quite good. Maybe that could go in a poem. And what about the gluttonous wren? Wash or dry? I don't mind. All right, I'll wash, he announced, dragging the small pink marigolds across his bulky fingers. Interesting essay there on gender, thought Caitlin. But obviously she didn't say. Every little helps, muttered Caitlin, raising a little smile. Adam smiled back. Their silence was the closest connection she'd had to a man in years. He was still a show-off though, she thought. Not my type at all. Listen to yourself, Caitlin. How dare you think you could afford to have a type? The whole point of Poetry Club was to get away from men anyway. I wouldn't panic, Adam. She hadn't meant to use his name, but it popped out. Like his thumb in that left marigold. Would he be reading something into this? She thought. None of them will be on to you, she said quickly. They all adore you, don't they? Unless your next one says, that's better, that's Tetley, I think you're all right. As long as you're not taking a mick out of them, are you? I promise I'm not. Adam said. I love it here. He caught her eye. He seemed different on his own. Desperate. Another predator, pretending to be a feminist. She wondered, and obviously didn't say. She glanced at his trainers, whilst feeding the tea towel into the corners of a long tumbler, wedging Whitby Abbey into the suds. How do some people get trainers to look so good, worn in? They carried on in silence for about three minutes. Now whatever was said better be good. He squeezed the life out of the sponge and said, See you next week then, and then vanished. Caitlin froze, her soggy cloth draping. She saw him running his bike out of the church hall, wrapping his scarf around his neck, and then leaping onto the pedals. Three flashes of his back red light and he'd gone. Bye, Adam. See you next Monday, Caitlin carelessly whispered as she blew his pink marigold back into shape. Pump 5. You have to press pay at kiosk, said a muffled announcement from above Caitlin, 
She jumped, looked around, looked up. Was this the voice of God over the tannoy in Texaco? It's on the little screen. This voice came from closer. She looked behind the pumps and immediately felt sick. It was Adam. He was also filling up before poetry. Hello, he said and smiled. Such a calm voice. So much confidence. How is the word hello so underused? Hello? She copied back. Now what? Blinding white beams from the industrial sunbed roof was unflattering on both. Caitlin looked exhausted and creased. She'd fallen asleep during Pointless. Adam had obviously come straight from school. His tie was akimbo. His fingers were covered in felt tips. Come on, Caitlin, think of something. No bike tonight? The answer was so obvious for any more silence and it would have been like last week in the kitchen. Bit of a rush today. Just out of a long meeting with a parent. They were like Danny's parents on The Shining, he said, across the forecourt. You know this film, Caitlin. You know it quite well. Come on, reference it somehow. All play and no work, is it? That was quite good. Adam burst out laughing, nodding and holding his head in disbelief with their accuracy. If that doesn't go in a poem tonight, then I'm nicking it. Classic Adam. Classic Adam. This wasn't the in-between as Caitlin. She couldn't believe what was actually happening though. Was she flirting here? Adam held the door open for her and Caitlin did some sort of ironic curtsy and smiled. She'd no idea where all this confidence was coming from, but it had made her feel a bit cringe. They found themselves in the queue. Ahead of them, things were kicking off at the till. A dad clearly not happy with the price of a penny floater. He was insistent they charge him the price on the label outside and not the sticker on the ball. Two pound difference, but something told Caitlin and Adam it was a bigger issue. Perhaps a weekend dad not going to see his kid for another week. Perhaps worrying about how broke he was, having filled the van with diesel. It was getting heated either way. The situation had silenced everyone in the queue. Adam made the commonly recognised teeth emoji face to indicate social awkwardness. Caitlin went cross-eyed and looked at the door. They smiled. Adam pointed at a grab bag of prawn cocktail quavers and raised a suggestive eyebrow. Caitlin slowly shook her head in disapproval. Adam then pointed at a new variation on a Jaffa cake. Caitlin shrugged, as if to say, was there any need? Adam held up a boost in a whisper and mimed scales to indicate her preference. She went with a whisper. Good choice, Adam whispered. Was this too corny? Too familiar with her? Like he needed the power of having private jokes to avoid the effort of revealing his true self and having the confidence to respectfully go slow. What the hell was she even thinking? A huge petrol tanker hissed itself into the forecourt as Caitlin slowly walked back to her car, not wanting to appear to be rudely running away from Adam, but also not wanting to seem like they were officially there together. She lost him behind the lungs of metal and giant wheels so she climbed back into her little car and then he finally emerged. She hadn't really noticed how long his legs were before, how angular he looked in his slim chinos. He waved, pointing in the general direction of the church hall where they were both heading. 
and put a thumbs up. Caitlin instinctively did a thumbs up too, which wasn't really her. In his left hand, she saw him trying to hide two whisper bars. Was it going to be one for him and one for her during the poetry refreshments? Or maybe he was buying the other whisper for someone else after poetry. Adam was framed by so much bric-a-brac on the stage behind him. He looked like when Dogger got lost. His head was down, eyes skating across his moleskin. He turned up this week with exactly the same one as Caitlin. His cushioned audience, his bright pink socks, his nine days of stubble, perhaps a day too much. What did she know? What would it feel like? Our old toast. Hessian, soap-scented Velcro. His poem wasn't his usual flump either. No advert slogans this time. He'd not even looked up. He'd not even played with his hair. There'd been fear in his eyes at the end. Like it wasn't ready to be read aloud. Like the tender pink skin under a scab. Linda had held up her eyebrows for ages after the final stanza and she picked a rich tea out of a molar. Well, you've certainly got a style tonight, Adam. And she coughed for ages. A Meprazole junkie. Caitlin didn't feel like the others got it. Was it shite, though? Maybe she didn't get it either. No, it was shite. Adam sheepishly glanced at his pink socks and seemed coy. He checked to see Caitlin's reaction, but she was complimenting Claudia on her new hair. Are you walking home? He asked Caitlin from the doorway as she finished stacking the chairs. He prodded his slim bike saddle with the tips of his fingers out the door. It'd be a shame not to, wouldn't it? She replied, in worship of the mid-June weather. It was eight o'clock and England was still boiling hot. A haze wrapped around the air. The cloying smell of after-work mowed lawns hovered across the green fields and terracotta brickwork. Blackbirds dipped across fields, skidding between the hay bales on the hills and recently abandoned trampolines and swingles. Barbecue smoke was like the pipes of old-timers. It blended with a melody of cutlery on crockery from late dinners outside or sounds of washing up from open windows. Dogs were busy on another lovely walk and couples were hand in hand on the long way home picking the odd bit of long grass to play with and flicking stones from their flip-flops. Distant bass mumbled from Bluetooth speakers in gardens where teenagers lay texting and grown-ups shared the second half of a bottle of wine after kids' bedtime. Beer gardens bubbled with jokes, the rustle of ripped crisp packets and pints being collected with a pinch. A tractor trimmed the floor of a shabby hedge it flung branches of hawthorn shards into the dusty sky 
You could hear birds miles away. See a hot air balloon floating into the haze. There was another hour of daylight before the sun became a self-folding flower. Adam walked his bike in the curb so they could both occupy the pavement. It was narrow, so they very nearly touched shoulders. Cars were rare, but they always gave them plenty of room and sometimes a little wave, more out of appreciation of the wonderful evening. The thing you said about the pine tree was quite good, she said. I'm a bit of a tree nerd, I'm afraid, Caitlin. His first use of Caitlin. As a teacher, he must be used to using it as a tactic for attention, mustn't he? Was he trying to advertise how much her name and presence meant to him? Or was he just making sure he had the right name? And had the confidence to run the risk of being corrected by her? She quickly glanced up and he rolled his eyes in embarrassment. There's worse things to obsess over, I suppose, she said, reassuringly. I mean, I can't stop writing Wham! lyrics. Those drinks wouldn't be free now, would they? He said. They chuckled, and Caitlin dodged around an overhanging hawthorn. They edged towards a sharp bend, and Adam pointed to a secret pathway. You know that little path goes round the estate and brings you out right next to the White Hart? Fancy it? I can't tonight, sorry, I've got an early start. Sadly for Caitlin, not only was that a lie, and she hadn't anything on tomorrow, except recovery from insomnia, obviously, Adam had only meant the pathway as a shortcut, not the pub. He didn't say anything. She bit her lip. You just meant the path, didn't you? He didn't know how to make her feel better. Sort of. Caitlin suddenly accelerated towards the pathway, without looking back. They got Murphy's on tap in the White Heart, you know. She excitedly announced, without looking back. Adam slow jogged and caught up with her. They burst through a swamp of midges and swatted a few together. He got a couple in his mouth. She blinked one or two out and stumbled towards his bike, which he quickly swerved away and then dinged his bell. An arch of beeches and elms swallowed them into the arms of the little wood 